Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode seven of the BAM Creative Show, where we talk digital marketing, digital strategy, websites, all that kind of fun stuff. My name is Jess. I'm digital strategist here at BAM Creative. This is Josh. <laughs> Josh. Our business development manager at BAM Creative. And this is Rich. I'm our digital producer here at BAM Creative. Uh, today we've got something special for you. Um, we've had some questions um, sent in. So we're going to go through and we're going to answer them one by one. So thanks to everyone who submitted. Yay, thanks guys. Oh, shall I, shall I read out the first Yeah, question? sure. Go for it. <gasps> no, she didn't. Woman explained it again. Why? I'm just saying. We'll work this out. What? Richard's oh, going to read out the questions. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Richard, you please. No, it's please all right. It's ahead. all right. Um, Jess, you take the first one. Damage is done. Go for it. <laughs> all right. How do I present a winning argument to other internal stakeholders or a senior leadership team to begin transitioning from offline advertising to digital marketing or digital advertising? That's a pretty good wow. one. And I think we've all been in a situation in our previous roles as well as here to yeah so I think we're got a lot of uh, do you want to go first because I feel like you're like brimming sure <laughs> you've got great examples yeah you've got actually quite a few going all right sure yep so um I think the first thing that you would you would say the most obvious thing uh is that you can trace the lead from like mm-hmm wherever they see the advertising, right through to a conversion, if you set it up correctly. And I think, I mean, that is very, very difficult to do with traditional print-based advertising. That is true. That? I mean, but there are some ways you can track offline advertising in terms of, like, unique numbers. Or, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, you I was going to ask for some something. examples there. No, 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 it's true. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, numbers or discount codes, mm. maybe, for example, is another way we can track offline advertising. Um, I guess one of the ways in which I, I've personally tried to do it in the past is showing like a comparative cost between, yeah, cost and reach of an offline advertising campaign in comparison to like a, you know, Facebook mm. campaign. In, and then you've got, you've kind of got a little bit, you can stretch a dollar further because, you know, you've got that really good target audience mm. tool. So you can actually create really awesome profiles. So you're actually delivering your ad to... Um, people who want to see it and then while it's actually running you can see how effective it is which you can't really have that with offline advertising Um, so it's all about I I think like demonstrating that bottom line as well I agree Um, anyway that's just what are your thoughts Josh I think (laughs) sorry microphone Um, I think you have to know who you're talking to I think it's good to have all the stats but I think also that if you're working with an internal stakeholder that has hypothetically a scarcity mindset then it doesn't matter how many stats you give them they're always going to be worried and it can be really fascinating to go through that I guess that that mapping of what what you think are some of the potential fears that that person has with regard to the proposed strategy or the the change in direction um, because sometimes they can have nothing to do with the digital strategy you might have an old school person who's never relied on digital and who I'm just picking one out of the sky but is so hesitant to look at digital marketing because they might be really crap at doing their job and they don't want to be found out to be really crap at doing their job or there might be another instance where there's somebody that purely is just they're concerned about their decision power changing within an organization and so um, if if suddenly a lot of the reliance ends up going to a digital marketing strategy delivered by X person hypothetically, or even just a new process of doing things that may not involve them, then that can create a hurdle for you. Now, how do you address that? You leave the company. 
No. You don't, <laughs> you don't live with Politics. Yeah. 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 Love it. The drama. <laughs> the drama. The theatre of it all. Um, it can be very exciting. Look, I think, I think everyone in a role. So definitely metrics are really important. But I think also in a marketing role or in any role within an organisation, you mm. cannot afford to be naive and think there's this just this utopian view of the right answer is always going to carry carry through because yeah. unfortunately it doesn't we're we're in organizations with different people with different personalities and so really understanding that aspect of it and being mindful of how you communicate certain messages um, but then ultimately deliver value for the the stakeholders that are resistant I think that's going to be key so we always talking about getting the right message to the right market with the right media or at least I always say it and it applies in like within your organization as well right you have yeah. to figure out what the key messages that's going to get somebody on board with you or on side with you yeah it might be about building rapport with them taking them out for coffee you know offering bribes I don't know what it is it could be anything and um mm. and then on the flip side of that it might very well not require you having to look at okay this internal stakeholder has these certain drivers um that they're focused on and this is how I need to help them along it might not be that but I'm just I'm I'm mindful that we you can't afford to be remiss when it mm. comes to these things and you should always consider what you need to do to help the other person get on board with you. And sometimes that's about, you know, collaborating with them in another way or helping them in another way so that you can build rapport. Um, yeah, so that's that's, that's the weird way that I look at it. Look, um, just um, following on from there, some people seem a bit suspicious of digital, possibly because they don't understand it. So yeah. maybe just do your homework and, uh, you know, figure out a way to explain how it's, how it's good. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes a great play on fear is to show what other competitors are doing. Oh, that's a really good one, actually. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. If you if you're sitting with a decision maker, and they're not willing willing to pull the uh, pull the trigger, then a few well placed, um, say, case studies or examples, or hey, look, did you realize this is what this company is doing over here? Um, that can also sometimes have uh, like help to tip the scales in, mm. in your favor. But yeah, just just be smart. Yeah, and I think as well you have to be on top of changes. Like if that's your role and if that's what you're mm. you know, supposed to actually be doing as long as you're actually out there and doing the research and the work for these things as well. Mm. Eventually if someone comes around, at least you'll like already be there and, you know. <laughs> if yep. we're talking politics, just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Just being said. Um, the other one too is running a really small test. Yeah. Like doing a campaign mm -hmm. within conf, like certain... Um, certain boundaries and then being able to because I always when I meet with a client they're always like mm. we really need this thing but then when you show them the investment that's required sometimes they can be like they can be super hesitant so for you to be able to highlight to them hey instead of you looking at this as uh, a fairly large investment um, for a new thing you've never done mm. let's scale this right down let's take a crawl before you walk walk before you run approach and then yep. that can be enough for them to feel, cool, I'm trying something new that could help my business, but I'm not risking as much as I thought I was. Mm. And it might very well be the same with an internal stakeholder. They want to try something, they're, mm -hmm. they're completely open to it, but they don't want that huge risk that they feel is going to be um, combined with, say, if you look at a Facebook advertising strategy or, or a marketing plan, and it goes for 24 months versus three months or six months. So, yeah, adjusting appropriately, mm. reading what the audience wants or what the person wants can mm. really help. Good advice, guys. Thanks very much. Hey, um, question number two now. Bam. What are the key questions to ask an agency when considering their digital products? Ooh. Bang. What kind of digital... Just all of the products? All of the products. Just generally? The digital products. The, 
<laughs> well, all the digital products. Well, I think first of all, it really depends on all the digital. It depends on everything. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I would always ask for testimonials and references of other work that they've done, and also similar to say my industry as well, because I want to see what their what their approach was and if they really had. Um, dedicated themselves to their un the understanding of sure. my requirements yep, and my business and what's going on in my industry as well. Um, and then also possibly not, I don't need exact numbers, but what the sort of general results were for working with that mm. business or people in that industry, like what was the turnaround. And um, I guess I just want to know that, I guess if I was approaching an agency, my thought would be that I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I would just love you guys to take care of it and, and use your expertise mm -hmm. to help me out. And so I don't want to feel like I have to like inform that agency. I kind of want to feel as though they already kind of like understand and they've yeah, got that, that past work yeah. to show. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I think it's important to um, emphasize the fact that you want to see results that relate to your industry because they're not all the same. Uh, maybe ask what sort of platforms they'd recommend for your particular yeah. situation as well um, because not every strategy is the same. So I think, yeah, mm. I think you're right about that. But um, in saying that too, I'd get a little bit turned off if I approached an agency and then they just were like, yep, okay, we'll just fit you into this product no. selection that we've already like pre, like we've already predetermined that this is what's going to work for you because we've done it without, like I would like a little bit of, I'd need to know <laughs> that they've actually thought about what it is, like they've taken my requirements into consideration, yep. they've taken my budget, sure. just just everything and created something custom for me. Otherwise, I would just feel like they're just pushing me in a box and yeah. So you want to see results from similar campaigns, but you want to see a really tailored approach with yeah. regards to your campaign. That's, that's not an unrealistic expectation, to be honest. I think that's pretty fair. I disagree. All right. Fine. <laughs> Here we go. No. I, really I agree with everything. <laughs> I agree with everything. I would say, though, yeah. that I guess I'm agreeing with your, your exception, okay. where you mentioned um, that it's really important for you not to be put in a, like a box. Yeah. Yeah. And then just take something because it's been done beforehand. I think the problem with dealing with a market... So there's benefits, positives and negatives. So the positive of dealing with somebody that really specializes in a, in a particular niche is that they'll already understand hopefully the the entire market what the market activity is mm -hmm. they'll, they'll work out what's being done really well and what's not being done but the problem also is that they their marketing expertise is only confined to that space yes. unless they're very open thinking and they're or, or forward thinking and then they're already across a number of other industries what can happen is you can find that you're running a campaign where everyone in the industry ends up doing the same thing which yeah. leads to marketing incest, which basically means that everyone eventually gets dumber as a result. Yeah. So that's why I've always valued somebody that has had, um, I guess, multi-industry in experience because they yeah. can take uh, a really effective campaign that's run in one industry, pick up the bones of that, and then put it into a new industry, flesh it out based on that, that market, um, and then and run something that's completely new, something that's never been done before in that in that industry. And the benefit is that you're the first person to do it, so that always carries some weight. And also, it's a unique experience for the prospects mm -hmm. because they're thinking, "Oh, look, normally I get mail drops, or normally I get this type of digital advertising or this type of newsletter, but then I've contacted this business or I've been contacted by this business, and then the experience is completely different." So. That's the only thing, the only word of, word of caution I'd say for that. But yeah, you're right. There's um, there's a lot to be said for having proof within the industry. Mm. 
because yeah, anyone can say we do it and then yeah, but really showing the case studies or the examples is where you start putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Yep. I think that was a wrong use of that analogy. Money where yeah. your mouth is. No, I was going back to the marketing incest. I was like, okay then. I don't know if you just saw a Game it's of true. Thrones and it was like a... <laughs> no spoilers, please. No spoilers. I'm still catching up. Oh. Um, there is no incest in Game of Thrones. Oh, oh no, that's not true. Oh. <laughs> uh, we got a bit derailed there. Um, look, yeah, I would just um, I would speak to them about um, measure- measurements and reporting that sort of thing. Figure out what the sort of schedule is. Make sure oh, that yeah. they're not just setting things and not checking back that things are actually working out. Yeah. And how frequently do they give you updates? That yeah. sort of thing. I like the three as well. So the three I focus on is, or I endeavour to to focus on, is making sure that the company I deal with has really great communication. Mm-hmm. So not only in the good times, but in the bad times. And then yep. also making sure that there's a clear body of work that's being done because yep. you don't want to be putting money into something that seems to just be in um, you know, a bottomless pit mm-hmm. and not, not to be seeing any activity at all because that can sometimes lead... Um, businesses to feel like they're not being served by their agency or the supplier yeah. and then they look to pivot and sometimes they are actually having a lot of work done but then they've really that supplier has dropped the ball on the first one which is great communication yeah. and then the third one it's clear results because obviously if you invest money you need to be able to get a certain amount in return to justify that investment so those three I've always found to be um, a great focus for any supplier to really um, judge whether they're going to be able to do the work whether they've done it beforehand some of the stuff as well you just can't you can't insulate yourself. You can only do it to a certain degree mm. because you can have two companies that identically say all the right things and then find out later on that, oh, mm. this thing didn't play out because, you know, they gave me a great case study that might be five years old before the company changed hands or other things have changed in terms of their internal process. But I think just doing everything you can to mitigate risk is really smart. And, yeah, hopefully by asking these questions, you can get some red flags. Like somebody might not respond to you in a manner that you would expect based on how you've dealt with other agencies that have a great reputation. So yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff can act as cues to protect you. Yeah. Well, that actually leads into another question we've got on here, which is how do I effectively manage a digital agency? So you're, so you're giving us a few oh. cues here. Yeah. Yeah. I've answered oh, it. That's a good one. Yeah, you basically said the communication thing. I mean, it's always, um, I, I suppose, that... I suppose I've had a, a few instances with various clients who've come from another agency, for example, and they've been burned, um, and it's mainly the communication thing. And mm-hmm. in that case, like as a project manager, it's really worth kind of getting to know your client, understanding how they work as well, um, and then it's kind of like tweaking your communication to be able to um, know when to handhold and know when they're just cool for like a dot point listed email. Um, but yeah, so I. For me, how I usually work with all of my particular clients is I'm very clear about deadlines. Sure. I'm very clear about what's expected of myself and what's expected mm. of the client. And, mm-hmm. and I'm also very clear in terms of time, like scope and things like that, because I find those are the things that I, I come across that there is a bit of a communication issue. And this is not from me. This is usually uh, from a hand down, like I've, I've inherited a client <laughs> and then they've it's told me. Her. It's not from me. I'm amazing. Someone else. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've, I've received a client, um, hand me down or whatever it is and um, they usually have their particular words and it is usually because the, the lack of communication for example sure. um, and yeah so just being clear about yeah timelines what's expected and yeah mm. so yeah. basically is one of those things that are really helpful 
I would say, uh, no, you're right. Like, if you feel there is a... Oh, damn. <laughs> if there is a bit of a communication <laughs> breakdown starting to happen, um, you know, don't wait until it sort of festers. Yeah, um, yeah. Just get straight on it and say, look, you know, um, where are we at with this? And I was, I was really hoping maybe you'd have given me an update, update by now. Um, and then hopefully the agency is, is, you know, responsive to this and takes this on board for next time to mitigate, you know, future issues. Can I please interrupt you? Because I, like... I find this as well as like a lot of clients will email. Right. Um, phone call is, I know phone calls are kind of annoying, but if you, sometimes things can be misconstrued in an email that, yes. you know, it's so easy because mm-hmm. you're reading it and sometimes maybe something's happened during the day or you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and then you read an email and it just doesn't come across as you would expect. And then I think that kind of is when mm. wires me a bit cross, but just call. Because also, it brings you to the top of the pile. <laughs> like, any time. I mean, that's not snowing. It's probably like, there's account managers all over the world going like, don't do that. But I yeah. feel like it's really important because sometimes I had a good phone call. Like, it's just so much better than an email. And sometimes as well, writing emails back and forth is so time consuming. And just phone call mm. can all be fixed in, you know. Yep. So, all the BAM <laughs> clients that are watching this. You may call me and ask for Jess. Jess is available. I can talk to you about whatever you like. Especially call her outside of hours. <laughs> yeah, I love it. it. <laughs> she loves it. My favourite. No, that's cool. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. And and ultimately, I think even if a company, if an agency doesn't offer that, like they don't yeah. cater to, to say phone support mm. um, on a whim, then I think it's just a really great opportunity for you as a, a manager for an organisation to understand what their capacity is. Yeah. And maybe like later on, and the that business relationship it might require a maturing of processes on either end so mm-hmm. maybe by for the marketing manager in terms of how they can best communicate with people and the agency but ultimately it's a relationship so yeah you need to be you need to be mindful of both in um, both sides of it and just work to get obviously that end result which the which both parties should always be heavily invested in achieving mm-hmm. because it's a, a great win-win for for both of them and when it changes when both cease to start to, to hold the same as results or goals. That's when you realize that they're because of other constraints you may not be aware of um, that maybe that's not the best agency to be dealing with. And those constraints could be anything. Uh, if we're looking at an agency side of things, maybe a marketing manager or, or a company mm. has certain expectations that the agency can't provide because their product offering is not built to do that mm. or their service offering isn't built to cater to that. And so for the marketing managers to, to be cognizant of that and then start thinking, oh, okay, cool, as great as, say, all the other aspects of their services, um, they're falling short in this one particular area, which unfortunately I really need. Uh, and in order to do my job effectively, then that's when you can start looking at other providers that can meet, can make that difference. Mm-hmm. So. I have another question. Okay. <laughs> How do I present my own content? What? <laughs> How do I present my own content marketing product to an audience that has already been constantly burned by rogue practitioners? That's a good question. Oh, was that from Anchor? That was from Anchor, actually. Well done. Yeah, that was a really good question. Um, and we did have a full-on discussion about this because there's so many industries that have a lot of, you know, they've yeah. got a lot of reputation. Let's name some. <laughs> Go, Rich. <laughs> no, that's not what today's that's about. Not, that's not what we're going to name and change. That's not a question, Josh. That's fine, that's fine. Thanks. What would you recommend? <laughs> Someone who's in that, uh, that position um, trying to win over an audience who's just been burned, you know, time and yeah. time again. Um, 
I think in our discussion, we I think the first thing that came up is just be transparent and don't yeah. don't avoid the issue. Be upfront about it, and you know you can put you can put that spin on it. So, mm. and I think rather than trying to focus on trying to focus on this issue as your main motivation to get people through the door, I think it should actually be reverse engineered. So maybe the whole reason as to why your particular industry has kind of and your that target audience has been burned is because you know certain things have happened um and so really understanding why it is that those people have Mm. been burned and going back to the beginning and understanding what the that target audience's needs and desires are and their pain points are kind of like going the other way so rather than trying to like mitigate a situation that's kind of already gone out of control yeah you know there's already a bad uh, reputation, I think actually, yeah, stepping behind it and actually doing that work to understand your customers and creating content for them that connects with them. Sure. I'm just kind of like in the mind that if you build it and you, you kind of like are, you know, positive and, you know, you're connecting mm-hmm. correctly, I suppose that they will come eventually. That's my hope, but I think I'm, I'm living in a, in a I, fairy tale. I world. think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair, but you've got to be honest. And I mean, uh, I guess something's that's right. You won't um, you won't be able to hide it if you if you're a dodgy practitioner. You know you're going to get caught out one way or the other, and you're going to get named and shamed anyway. So if you yeah, are, but you don't want to call out do- like if you're trying no. to like say that we're not dodgy, mm. but <laughs> there's so many ways you can say that, but not actually saying we're dodgy. Then my piece of advice would be not to name and shame the people who are dodgy because that just makes you look dodgy as well. Um, That's you why we didn't do, do that. No, no, you want to. What's that thing that like Gary Vee always says? He's like, I want to like build my own building, right? But I don't want to like smash other buildings to use those materials and build my building. Like I just want to. I pretty. He doesn't say exactly that, but it's pretty. That's pretty much what the effect is like. He doesn't build himself up by. You know, smashing other smashing people down. People. Is that pretty it? much. I like yeah. that. That's clever. If I agreed with Jess, I'd be a hypocrite. So I don't agree with Jess on one point. Oh, and that Jess. is that <laughs> if you're in an industry where you know that there, where a company has a bad reputation, that... You would name and shame. I think, just let you talk. So. I, think, I think if you're liaising with a prospect and they're going to make a choice, right? Um, I would at least let them know that, hey, I understand you're choosing this supplier or the, these range of suppliers, um, but... Uh, and I've had great experiences from these two suppliers, but I can attest to the fact that we've had clients come over to us um, that haven't yeah. been best served by this supplier. And um, the, depending on how long, you, how far you want to take it. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I've done, I've done that. Like I can't sit in the camera and say, Case I don't study. think you shouldn't this this company because no. I've 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 shot I've like sent up warning signals to be like, just be mindful about this thing, this thing, and this thing. Um, in the digital marketing in- industry. So, yeah, I have to walk. That's cool. You're a lot more aggressive than me anyway. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got the best interest of the client at heart, well, you, you know, you sort of owe it to them to, to show them what the pitfalls might be. Yeah, well, I've that's the way I see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it on a few uh, websites where, in their case studies particularly, where they'll say, like, this client actually came to us because they had a product and it was – it was ruined over time you know it was fitted out by a competitor but don't name the name they just say it was it was fitted out by a competitor and you know it was warped and distorted and blah blah i would actually kind of want to ring up and be like what's the competitor yeah <laughs> so yeah in that way i kind of agree with you but yeah yeah, yeah. i think it i think it bodes well for the company too like if you do great work mm. 
then um, normally if there's a situation where everyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to go after this company. I'm not going to mention this other company that's doing really bad work for all these other businesses in this area. Um, I think it, I th there's a potential for you to also be like covered with the same kind of oil. Like, so if you've got like a, you know, a really bad business, bad reputation, and you're not letting people know that there's a risk for, for other things and you're not, outrightly saying this company is bad because they do this and the other thing but you are at least advising people the end thing that i don't want to have happen irrespective of whether i get business or lose it yeah. is that the people that i deal with or come in contact with feel that they've received some type of value and more importantly that they don't get burned because you hear like businesses are always getting burned yeah okay. you know, um, in one way or the other so, i agree but also coming back to question Content one. marketing? Oh, one. Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, in content marketing, of course, you have, like, the decision stage, right? So even just creating, like, getting those referrals, getting the testimonials, getting you know, previous work that you've done as well can kind of, like, if you've yeah. got actual people saying that you're great rather than yeah. you saying that you're great, it's probably, it's going to have a lot more weight behind it. Um, and that, that's pretty important in your content marketing strategy as well. So to summarise, don't avoid the issue. Um Name and shame. <laughs> do we do not. I don't but want just, a name and shame. I disagree with Just name cross and out the shame. name. I don't shame. And you then can shame. Um, and then um, get some social proof there to validate that yeah. you are the, uh, the person of choice. Naming yeah. and shaming, yeah, number okay. one. No, don't I'm happy shame. with that. Uh, oh. And the final question SEO versus SEO. Fight. Oh, what is the difference? What is the difference? Tech and style. Dun, dun, dun. What was the nature? Like, are we comparing like a SEO agency and SEO agency? Is that the like if we're trying to choose an agency? Like, is that what? The or a service is? like service offering? Mm. I think it could be service offering. Okay, so who wants to sure. go? Sure, <laughs> I'll go. It goes back to the three: <laughs> communication, yeah, body of work, and results. I think it's pretty, and, yeah, got it. Yeah. Interrupting Jess. So am, I right? am I right? <laughs> you need to be pretty mindful. Like I think SEO companies have had a, a bit of a bad uh, rap because there were some dodgy practitioners. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not looking at it either. This is the. Uh, <laughs> so what we're doing now is, you know, someone who doesn't know SEO from SEO, what questions to ask? Yeah. Right? No. Good point. So the first question that I would ask is, well, maybe not the first. Um, Cool. So I guess if we're looking at the product itself, then I'm really curious to find out what do you actually do? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You can't say we do all this magical airy fairy stuff that we can't tell you because it's IP. I think to a degree you can, you can inform and educate a client to the level of their own understanding yep. um, enough so that it gives them a sense of confidence when it comes to making a decision about you versus another person. Mm -hmm. And ultimately if both of you are doing that and then the other person ends up getting the, the like working with the company all it means is that either say i've done a poor job of educating educating them to the level that they needed um yeah and so i just need to improve so yeah being able to educate people to that level of understanding that where they feel confident about making a decision also being from my perspective um being able to say what type of work is done um as part of the service and then also how we're reporting on that activity is really important mm -hmm. um and look it goes both ways like if i'm reporting on it and if for instance results aren't aren't what they should be then i should be able to be um across the service 
or the process itself so that I can be able to see, oh, okay, for this industry with these keywords, this particular process isn't as effective. Maybe it's best for us to, to change things and then focus on a slightly diff a tweaked version of that and monitor that over time as well. Um, so that ultimately ends up helping the agency to improve their product offering and help the client to get the results that they want, which is what the client wants. Ultimately, like they'll say SEO is the thing that they're most interested in now, but I guarantee that they would just be keen to get more phone and email inquiries at the end of the day so they can get more sales. My, yes, I can finally talk now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was, I was actively listening. Mm. Um, so but when is he going to finish so I can talk? Pretty much. I was just like, oh, just me. Um, I was thinking while we were talking um, about the fact that uh, I remember reading an article, SEO Moz did this article, and they were like, you shouldn't judge um, an SEO company by their rankings alone because they may actually have a strategy where they have so much work on that they actually manipulate their content on their pages so they drop down the rankings for like mm -hmm. SEO in whatever city they're in, which I always thought was pretty interesting. Um, but it really comes back to checking out their previous, like their case studies, the work that they've done as well. I think that's really important. Um, and I would probably not evaluate an SEO versus SEO until I actually am engaged with them and I meet with them and I actually see what they're proposing for me because if I just take it from like, their website or their promotional t material alone, I might be discounting the fact that, yeah, they're probably not disclosing everything because, you know, they're keeping a little, so, you know, IP, whatever you're saying. Very yeah, interesting, that stuff. Um, yeah, but it's the obvious ones, like if an SEO company is saying that they'll get you to number one or, you know, that that's always, you know, red flags there, but I think a lot of people are pretty clued on with that. Now, um, but yeah, when you're in talks with them, just it's all about that setting expectations and being very clear about what it is that they will achieve for you and um, yeah, agreeing on those that work and those metrics and all those kinds of things as well. It's being very clear about that. Because you can, you can bend SEO to be anything you want. I mean, that's the reality of the situation is it could be technical SEO for your website. It could be keyword research. It could be just doing tweaks to your content. It could be backlinks. It could be anything. So it's really about being informed as to what's actually being recommended mm. for your website. Feeling good about that. Like if you're feeling confused about mm. anything in that meeting, you should, or you know, from a proposal or something, you should be asking them the questions because you know most agencies will just recommend what they feel will be suitable for you and your budget and you know what you want to get out of it but yeah just making sure that you actually understand and, and being very clear I think that's very good advice mm, that's good it was. I got there in the end was I did have way. a it was yeah <laughs> that's good yeah because I mean like if you know enough about SEO or you don't know it a lot because a lot of people don't understand they're just like oh it's Google like I've had so many people say like oh, it's just to get number one on Google yeah um, and yeah, it can be, it, you can, you can bend it to be anything you want. Like if you're going to be dodgy about it, but yeah, yeah. Good. Ask lots of questions. Huh? That was pretty much, yeah. Ask lots of questions. Mm. I mean, just be really sure about it. And also don't be afraid to Google. <laughs> yeah. I always say this to people. I know it's ridiculous, but yeah, Google's awesome. Cause there's so much, like there's heaps of forums out there. Um, people offering advice and things like that. So mm. yeah. Forums is a good one. Yeah. Like you can literally search, like when you're looking at SEO service or SEO agency, Yeah. you can search an agency. Yeah. Like Whirlpool has a bunch of forums and services and companies that have dealt with other businesses. 
Uh, maybe maybe take it with a grain of salt to a degree, mm. but you know yeah. when you get like pages and pages of experiences from businesses, you can normally take them as a as a good sign that hey, this is a great company with a great respective product, or yeah. maybe this is something that I should ask when I meet with them, mm. um, and then yeah. Yeah, and it's it's okay to be very upfront and just ask them what are you doing every month with my money mm. and my time yeah. and you know they should be very forthcoming with that and be like yep this is what we've done this month this is what yeah. we recommend recommendations is also a really good thing as well because you know for a lot of my clients it's a month to month thing um, and I'm we're always very upfront as like this is what we've done this month this is what we recommend for this month and this is why and this is how long it's going to take and you know most people are like they're really happy just for us to carry on yeah. keep doing our thing good yeah that's pretty much it. Was there any more questions for this? Rich is going to respond to it. Just yeah. No, I just think any? that, um, look, I honestly think that just all ties back to what we've been talking about. Just set your yep. expectations up front. Um, and if they're not being met, you know, ask them why. Mm -hmm. um, and evaluate things, you know, on a monthly basis until awesome. you're happy. So, yeah, well, thanks very much, you guys, for your insights. Thanks very much to anyone who's submitted a question. Um, Jess, where can people find us? Well, you can find us on Twitter at BAM Creative or you can always email us, which is podcast at bam.com.au and ask us any questions that you have for us because, you know, do another episode like this where we're answering them all. Or you can also find us on Anchor. It's actually just BAM Creative on Anchor. It's awesome. You can ask us questions through there as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. We really appreciate your attention. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you.